Lloyd Carmeyer has been a justice of the Illinois Supreme Court for 15 years and held the role of chief justice for three of those. The judge, who will be retiring at the end of 2020, reflects on the court, the challenges, and his own personal connection to the state Supreme Court on this week's edition of Capital Cast. I'm Rebecca Anzel. I traveled to Justice Carmeyer's legal office in Nashville, Illinois, to bring you this exclusive interview just a day before he submitted his letter of resignation. Nashville is about two hours south of Springfield. Once I got off the highway, I passed cornfields, some harvested, some not, farmhouses, and car dealerships. All of it was along a one-lane road, which led me to the town of about 3,200. Carmeyer's office sits off one of the major streets in town. When I meet him, he's in good spirits, and as he takes me back to his office, I notice there are photos of his legal career on the walls. Photos of the iterations of the Illinois Supreme Courts he's been on, the judges he's clerked for. His desk has neatly arranged papers on it. All of it, he said, in preparation for the upcoming session of the court. As we chat, I discover his connection to the court runs deep. I grew up on a small farm about 14 miles from here. And uh, my father farmed my grandmother's land and had some other rental property, which turned out to be uh, the site of the first courthouse for Washington County, which was located at Covington. And Covington, which is north and west of here, was right on the banks of the Kaskaskia River and was centrally located when Clinton and Washington were one. So the, the uh, county seat was there, the first courthouse, first jail were built there. And when uh, my dad started farming us in about 1946 or 47, there were trees in, the, in a certain area, there were noticeable mounds, red brick and uh, foundation stone. And my dad told me that's where the courthouse was and uh, that the Supreme Court sat there and I thought he didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, it was confirmed for me that when the Supreme Court consisted of three members, the court also rode circuit. I mean, they individually were the circuit judges and the Supreme. And sometimes they ruled on cases that they ruled on as circuit judges and they reviewed them as Supreme. John Reynolds, uh, was, it was a, a Supreme Court justice from our area, sat there in March of 19, 1819, uh, conducting the first session of a court in the state of Illinois, in Covington, in Washington County, on land that my father farmed and I, that I plowed and harrowed and did all the farming things with. Someplace here, I still have a box of some of the rocks from there. I've given some to the uh, Washington County uh, Courthouse here and to the new Judicial Center. The judicial branch is also one of the most expensive for citizens to access. Not that a lot of citizens perhaps want to interact with the judicial branch. You know, ideally, Rebecca, if the legislature would fully fund the courts and if they took the position that providing access to the courts is a right that people are entitled to, they would not pass different fees on different services, but the legislature tries to recoup those costs by assessing fees. You know, somebody might be fined $1,000 and end up with $3,000 because of fines, because of fees that are mandated by the legislature. One of the things the legislature did recently, with the help of a study um, 
in which the court had input, and that is to revise the fines and fees um, to make it simplified so people could understand it and to try and reduce the costs and so that people who cannot afford it can still get their day in court. Interestingly enough, right after that was passed, which we thought would be great, legislation has been introduced already to try and add fines and fees, or not fines, but fees into other areas. I don't think it's gone any place yet, but that was introduced. If the legislature fully funded the courts rather than relying on fees, it would be less expensive. Um, but that's probably not going to happen because the state is not plush and counties can't always pick up the difference. Is there an area of law that is perhaps more undecided than another? And I ask because when the court was in Godfrey, both of the cases seemed to sort of fall into the changing role of technology in society versus a law that is perhaps antiquated and how they might interact with each other. And that seems like a hard thing for the court to figure out. First Amendment freedom of speech rights are clear to us based upon precedent, but that freedom of speech has changed so much, or the ability to com communicate has changed with the advent of Twitter and tweets and emails and uh, the uh, social media. Um, it's, it's, so we have completely new questions that come up. Technology, while it's great, has raised more questions. But one good thing about all this, it keeps me, people like me, in business. <laughs> There's always, uh, you know, you'd think that everything that could possibly be a matter of uh, conjecture or a matter of dispute has been resolved, but it has not. Do you think, um, I think you mentioned this in, was it the Senate budget hearing? Uh, when recreational marijuana becomes legal in January, perhaps those cases might dwindle too, the number of those cases. Right, um, but, but we don't know, and I think I said we don't know where that's going. We don't, we don't because maybe with more people using marijuana, we're going to have more driving under the influence of drugs. We don't know that, uh, whether that's a, would be a direct correlation. The minor marijuana cases, you know, a couple of grams for personal use. I don't even know what, how much people need for personal use, but those will be gone, and that's good. And that takes time, and those people should not be going to prison. Uh, and of course, there's been a sea change, I think, over the last 20 years in attitudes toward marijuana. Um, I would hope it doesn't come into places for sale here in Washington County, but if it is, it's legal. Still not legal federally on a national level, so it's an interesting uh, conundrum for people who are going to set up shop. Um, so, yeah, we don't know how that's going to play out. Um, probably fewer criminal cases, better concentration and time uh, allocated to the more serious cases uh, with probation officers, with court personnel, judges, and everyone. Isn't that a conundrum for the Supreme Court, too, to balance? It's legal statutorily here but it's not legal federally. Well, it's it is. If, if cases are brought under state law, our court is the final arbiter of that. That can't be appealed to the, to the um, U.S. Supreme Court. If we decide cases based upon federal law, 
we're subject to, and, and we, we're bound by U.S. Supreme Court decisions, and our decision could be taken up on a writ of certiorari. Um, if, if, uh, if someone charges a federal violation, I think that's going to be charged in federal court. Oh, so you wouldn't hear it So we wouldn't hear it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Perhaps you can settle this. <laughs> um, there is some confusion over whether chief justices go um, the next most senior member of the court or the next most senior member from like upstate, downstate. Is it just whoever's <clears throat> the next the, most senior? The, his, the history of the court, at least since the 1964 judicial article, which became which went into the 1970 Illinois Constitution almost entirely, is that it's um, the tradition is the most senior member of the court who has not previously served, no matter whether upstate or downstate. Now, there was a hiccup in that a few years ago, um, but that's that's been established. The problem with going Cook County downstate is that Cook County would have the chief justice half the time, but they only have three-sevenths of the court. It is uh, seniority if you've not served. It's, it's not a given that you're going to be elected. You're still elected by your contemporaries or your colleagues, but uh, we follow that tradition pretty well. Uh, so I was <clears throat> surprised to learn from the, the memo that went out announcing Chief Justice Burke's uh, appointment that officially mm -hmm. took place that she's only the third woman to serve out of 121 chief justices um that is a lot of people that yeah. she's only the third woman well and the first one was justice mcmorrow who was uh, served until about 2005 so i've served with all of them and justice mcmorrow was the first woman on the court wow so that's not that long ago she was elected in 1992, I believe. Freeman was elected in 1990, the first African-American. Yeah, we've got a long way to go. But now we have uh, three members of our court, female. As we leave, we might, you know. And, you know, what I've seen in other states, uh, it's not unusual for more, or there to be more female members than not. When I was in law school, there were two women in my class. Now the percentage is more women than men. So through the you know, the product of more time and people practicing, there are gonna be more more women uh, judges and more uh, more on the court. When you assumed the chief justice role or were preparing to do so about three years ago, um, did did you receive any advice and then is there any of that advice or any of your own that you have passed along to Chief Justice Burke? I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. <laughs> um, I, had, I, I would say this, and, and can say this uh, with regard to Chief Justice Burke also. Our court is very collegial. We get along with each other, and we want everyone to succeed. And um, my uh, uh, Justice Garman uh, was helpful to me when we were making the change. Uh, I went, my, I and my staff visited with her and her staff in uh, Danville uh, a couple of weeks before the change. Justice Burke and her staff were here um, a week ago today. We spent several hours going through what they anticipated things and how to, you know, what might come up and how to handle it. And 
Um, those things are very helpful, and I, I hope Justice Burke does well, just as Justice Garman and Justice Kilbride and Thomas before me. Um, they, uh, specific advice I'm not going to go into, but there were some things that were said just to keep things moving. When you're, you know, when we're in conference, Springfield, the Chief Justice is at the head of the table and control has his or her own agenda that is presented. Anybody can put things on that. But you have to make sure those matters get heard and get followed up on. And that was always an important thing for me. I, I took uh, a lot of notes and I wrote a lot of emails to myself to make sure we, when we decide on a course of action, that it was carried out. Because that does become the Chief's responsibility, whether it's delegated or not, and sometimes delegated to another member of the court. Do you have any thoughts for what, now that your Chief Justice term has ended, what your lasting sort of impact was? I've been told that the uh, reconstitution of the Judicial Conference from about 80-some members to 29 uh, and the strategic, strategic agenda that we fashioned and unveiled on October 2nd will be for better or worse my legacy, whether that works or not. And it'll be up to Chief Justice Burke and uh, her successors to carry this forward. Okay. I think that's about it, unless there's anything you wanted to add. What's, I mean, what's next for you? Is it going to be weird sitting a couple seats, one seat down? Uh, I'll be two over. Two over? Yeah, we sit in seniority. And uh, I'll take I'll take Justice Burke's seat. She's um, junior to me, right after me. But that's where I'll go, and she'll be. Yeah, it'll be different. In fact, it's uh, I just said to one of my to my senior staff attorney, Steve. We're not getting as many calls or emails already. I mean, the change is we're we're constantly you know what are we going to do about this? What's this? Let me know what's going on here. And I just sent a note to. Uh, Marcia Meese, our director, and I said, I'm going to miss uh, not conversing with you as often. Uh, but she takes everything now to the Chief Justice where it belongs. Yeah. And I've been told that uh, it's uh, you kind of like the period because you can be a little more laid back. And I found it over the weekend. I wasn't thinking, I have to, what have I missed? What do I have to do You know, for the coming term? That's it for this week's edition of Capital Cast, a regular production of Capital News Illinois. You can find a written version of this interview, as well as our other work, at capitalnewsillinois.com. And while you're there, be sure to stay tuned for more from this interview. Justice Carmeyer and I discussed even more than I could possibly fit into this episode. That all will be coming soon. And thanks for listening. Watch out for new Capital Cast coming next week when the legislature returns for the second week of veto session. If you need a recap from last week, be sure to check out our older episodes.